Welcome to Beautifully Bloomed, the podcast where we explore how to break you out of the box of rules and beliefs that are holding you back from the life you are meant to live. I'm your host, Rebecca Turville. Join me as I share mindset tools, coaching conversations, and human design to help you uncover your unique gifts and create the life, relationships, and business you desire. So today I have Heidi with me, and Heidi grew up in the same religion that I did, in fact, in the same congregation. So this is so fun to have a a conversation today about Heidi's story about leaving our church. And if you haven't seen my story, I have a video that came out not that long ago. Go check that out. But Heidi, welcome to my program. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad I found you again all these years later. Yeah, that is so odd. And so tell people like, how did how do you remember knowing me? Like, because you said some things I didn't even know when when you first got a hold of me. Uh, for sure. Well, first of all, I called you by your maiden name and I called you Becky because in my brain you were Becky. And I don't know if you even went by Becky or that was just like what we. <laughs> that was well, that was my childhood name. When I went to college, sure. I was like, I want to be Rebecca. So I, cause I moved away to college and you know, how right. you need a whole new community. And so I became Rebecca. It was awesome. So yeah, I, it's funny to hear people call me Becky. It's like, for sure. And that was like a million, million billion years ago. So absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I actually, you were a little bit um, ahead of me in um, age. Yeah. So I kind of like hung out a little bit more with your brother, Darren. Yeah. Um, he was a couple years older than me. So I was in high oh, okay. school. Um, I graduated in 99. I don't know what you're graduated. Yeah. What, so you're what? about um, nine years younger than me then. Cause I graduated okay. in 88. Right. Okay. 88. No, 11 years younger than me. Oh, look at me. I'm so young. 99 minus 88 is 11 years. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so we weren't yeah. necessarily in like the same age group. You were already married. I think when I was in high school, I did babysit for, I think your youngest at one point. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. And it, it, it's crazy. The smallest world. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I kind of was like, um, uh, I was friends with your brother. And when he passed away, I was a part of his social circle and stuff. So that, um, that was a big part of my um, life when I was younger. But I think very fondly of your family. Uh, I think there's a connection be- between our, our um, moms and my aunt and everything. So yeah, anywho, it's hard yeah. for me to to forget faces from my past, especially from the church. Like I remember so much about a lot of people. Yeah, well, it was a big part of our growing up years, right? Like absolutely. So, how did you experience growing up in the church? Like, what what did you like about it? What was fun? You know, all that. Absolutely. Well, what I want to say before, like, I even get into anything, um, my journey started almost 20 years ago when we left the church. So the first 20 years of my life, I was a part of the first apostolic Lutheran church. I was born into it. My parents were also born into it. But what I want to say is there are a lot of people in my life still. I've got friends and I've got family who are still a part of that community. And I would never want to say anything that would upset any of them. They mean so much to me. I have so much love and respect for the community as a whole, um, in particular, the people who are still in my life. So 
I hope that if anybody finds this and they want to listen to my my story, that they listen to it maybe with an open heart and and just as much as I embrace them so openly and respectfully and mindfully, I hope that they wouldn't get upset about what I have to say because I'm not coming from a bitter place. Um, I'm coming from a very loving place. So I just, I wanted to put that out there because I was hesitant to even scratch this scab again, because I have done a lot of healing over the years. And yeah, I just, I just wanted to preface what I have to bring to the table with that before I start. So now that I got that out there. (laughs) Well, let me just ask you another question about that. What is your purpose then do you think in telling your story right now? Like what, what is the reason to tell it? Well, I've never brought it to the general public. Mostly I've shared it with therapists (laughs) and people who have like maybe a similar story or people that I've met throughout the years. I maybe have, you know, shared a little bit about it, but a lot of people in my life are going to be surprised. Um, Friends that I have now who maybe I haven't ever shared this with, but I, I would maybe like to reach some people who are stuck or maybe they just, they don't have a lot of people to relate to. Maybe they have like some doubts or some hesitations, or maybe they feel alone with their thoughts. And so I just wanted to maybe put it out there. Maybe I might be able to touch somebody in some very small way. Um, Or maybe it's just going to be cathartic for me to share it, period, which it always is. It always is, especially when I see other people sharing their videos, having left the um, church, I will run to that video. I love to hear their stories. I loved your story when I saw it. I just, um, it's so relatable and it's also nostalgic. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So exactly. that's kind of my purpose. Um, I, it's nothing grand. It's just, you know, maybe no, time to share. Yeah, I absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Yes, it is helpful for me, period. I've found that to be true my whole life. So. so yeah, so then we'll start with the question again about like, how did you experience the church growing up and, you know, things you liked about it? Yeah, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Please redirect me because I am really bad at telling stories. <laughs> no, you're probably fine. <laughs> so growing up, I have really good memories. Um, my family was deeply ingrained in the church. Eventually my dad did become a minister. Um, but that wasn't until I was in high school, but I have no regrets about the way that I was raised. I have so many good girlfriends that I still have in my life. So important to me. And we've just, we're like BFFs ride or die. And I love that they always accepted me even through kind of the rough patches and stuff. But just thinking about Sunday school picnics and um, going up to the Copper Country for St. John's time and stuff like that, going out with the church kids. Those are very special, fond memories for me. I have really good memories, even though maybe later on there was a little bit of trauma involved with my exit. But yeah, definitely as a youth in that church, it was a huge awesome social community that I was really happy to be a part of, even though I felt a little like a black sheep sometimes for 
example, I came from a family with only two children and that was different. Yeah, um, that's really that, small. I thought five was small. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my best friends, they came from families of like nine, 11 kids, sometimes more. And it was just me and my brother. So automatically it was like red flag, you know? Um, so there was something going on there, <laughs> but I also wasn't like super blonde haired, blue eyed, you know, Finnish beauty. I guess I have like the uh, darker tones from my Finnish ancestry. So I kind of like was the black sheep in that regard as well, which is so silly. But um, yeah, I definitely. There is a lot of darker Finnish people too, I've noticed. Like the, the, there's not just blondes, like my mom and my sister were brunettes. But mm-hmm. they're Finn, you know, they're hundred percent. My mom was hundred percent Finn. So I'm like, oh, there's the, <laughs> there's the dark haired ones too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But it is funny, right? If you look at the group overall, it feels like a lot more blondes with blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just felt like, I don't know. I was just different. I felt different physically sometimes. And I felt different with regards to maybe having some questions about why things were the way they were. And, um, you you know, we have a lot, we had a lot of rules, which I know that you talked about before. And did you like, what were the rules? Were the rules, like, was your mom really strict about the rules? Like we were really strict about the rules, you know? Yeah. I felt like, I felt like everything was pretty strict, especially with my dad becoming a minister eventually. But strangely enough, my mom had been struggling with a lot of questions about rules. I naturally am a rule follower. And I think Finnish people in general are rule followers. They're conservative and they they will follow the rules. And so naturally it was just kind of ingrained in us. And the religion, when I was growing up, I was more concerned about the rules than I was with any doctrine. You know what I mean? I was, you know, we had the rule of no makeup, no piercing of the ears, no dyeing your hair, no going to movies, no going to dances, worldly friends at a minimum, no drinking, obviously no drugs. What I do tell people when I recount my religious journey is that we had more fun than Amish people, but less fun than Mormons. So we kind of like we're in the middle of the spectrum there. You know, I used to watch a lot of like Amish documentaries. I was so fascinated and I'm like, how come they get a rumspringa or whatever they call it? Like (laughs) they got to go run around for a year out in the world and, and like do everything they wanted to do. Did you ever know that? Like, I was like, why can't we do that? I am obsessed with Amish culture. I'm not even kidding. And you are absolutely right. They got to go for, for however long they wanted to sow their wild oats. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then absolutely. they got to make a choice. See, that's one thing that I think is missing. It's like, where do we get to choose? I mean, supposedly confirmation but if I think back to confirmation I'm like that's not really a choice I mean you don't like say I'm not going to confirmation (laughs) you know you you just go and that's kind of your like 
now you're an adult in church. You know, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's like, absolutely. No, it's, it's I, interesting to me. I feel like when you're born into it, that is now your lifelong commitment. And, and we had parents around us who were living that lifelong commitment as well. And so, yeah, I never really saw making a choice until I got older. I never thought that I would live any other lifestyle until I had a couple exposures to a few things that really got me going. Like I sang at one of my uncle's weddings because strangely, none of my dad's siblings really took to it. Oh, really? Okay. But they were born into it or no? They they okay. were. Yeah. Like the, all my family are, they're all Finns and they're all from like the copper country uh, the, in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And yeah, my dad was really the only one who stuck with it. Even his mom didn't really stick with it either, but all, a lot of her siblings are still very committed to the, to the church. So, but I have also like so much respect for that because if you do choose to leave, you lose your entire community. That is weird. You know? Yeah. But you had, so you had family though, that wasn't from like, yeah. Or they had been in, but they weren't in. So you kind of hung out with a lot of people over the years that weren't from church, right? I did. Yeah. Um, But the crazy thing was like my grandma, my dad's mother, she had her ears pierced. Okay. And I was afraid of her because of that. Like if she ever came in for a hug and her earring touched me, oh, I would be like hot coals, hot coals, like, like petrified. It's so, but that is a little bit of my trauma. You know, the fact that I was so scared of those rules that we had, I was afraid even in the supermarket, seeing people who are wearing makeup and earrings. I'd have just this sick, sick feeling in my gut, like all of these worldly people around me, you know? So you didn't hang out with school friends necessarily? I did. Oh. I did. Um, yeah. It, we had like a couple of kids from the church, like kind of peppered into each grade mm-hmm. and all of the, the girls in my grade, there were like three of us, I think. Um, and we all kind of stuck together. But we did have friends from outside the church as well. But it was kind of like a strange, a strange power struggle a little bit because we would sometimes like get on to talking about church or they'd ask us questions. And, and I just kind of remember it would be kind of like tense, but we would try to discuss it. I know I wouldn't really ever have the right answers to their questions. Yeah. But regardless, I did have like secular friends or whatever. And, and I still have many of the same friends as, as we always did. Yeah. And for some reason it just, it worked. And um, yeah, you had, it sounds like you had more church friends who went to the same school, which I didn't really have that. So, you know, that would be hard. Yeah. I had school friends. That was it. Like I didn't really, there wasn't a lot of church friends to be had for me. Yeah. Well, it's um, yeah. It was probably really hard to fit in, you know, for yeah. you, you just, as well. Yeah. Right. You just 
I mean, I was thankful for that, that my mom wasn't like that, that she didn't make me not have friends because they weren't from church, you know, but um, which opened my eyes to a few things, right? I saw a lot of movies and TV when I was at my friend's houses. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was I like, see. ooh, this is juicy. <laughs> you know? I know, right? <laughs> and well, it's funny because to this day, one of the people that knew me, because I was a friend with her sister, She's like, I always remember that you were just glued to the TV when you came over. I'm like, yeah, when you don't have one at home, like it's this major thing. It's like, oh, what is it? Like what's on the TV, right? It was just so crazy. Absolutely. We we were bending rules a bit. We did have a television. Oh, yeah. Boy, that yeah. was something if you had a television. <laughs> Yeah. So my mom had it in like this armoire that she would shut when, when folks would come over for coffee or something, but I'm like, who who are you kidding? Yeah. It's in there. Like hiding it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my mom was just watching like the news in jeopardy, but you know, it's still a television. That's the rules were being bent. And when my dad did become a minister, she was really worried that she was going to lose her television. Oh, Wow. And, but she just kept it shut in the armoire when people would come. So I did grow up with a television. I was like sheltered to a, to a degree, but I, I did have, um, I did have that. I did when I was in high school go, I snuck to my first movie, which was Titanic, the Titanic movie. Did you feel and guilty I, when you were there? I literally like slunk in like a snake, like making sure nobody could see me. And then when I got to my seat, like I sat really low just in case somebody would report to somebody from church that they saw me in the movie theater. That is so strange. I mean, I, I mean, it's like real though. It's like a real lived experience. That's literally how we felt. Like I felt out of place. I stood in both of my friends' weddings. They were both Catholic and okay. at the reception, I couldn't dance. I would have wanted to, but my parents yeah. were at the reception. Right. So I felt like I couldn't. And it was just like, it's weird, these things you think, right? Like, can't do that. Like, it, it just felt like, oh, my gosh. And I mean, if I could go back and change it, I would totally dance <laughs> at the receptions. Absolutely. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> dance like nobody's watching. <laughs> no, it sound it sounds so silly to a lot yeah. of people. And that's why people were like, what is this all about now? You know, so that's why we would we would list our rules. We'd say, well, this is against our religion and, you know, dancing's against our religion, makeup and earring, you know, like we had our rules, our list of rules kind of um, to me. Again, this is all just the way that I perceived everything. Not everybody who goes there is going to feel this way, but. And I was also a child, so I was just living my life um, according to this church the way that I felt like these rules pertained to me, and they were just really important. They were more important than any kind of biblical teaching to me. It was these rules. Right. So, yeah, I definitely wanted to break the rules. I think anybody who's told no, 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 no for so long, you eventually just want to break free. Um, yeah, maybe not everybody. Me. I mean, I think specifically as a teenager, I feel like that's all of us are like at this point of trying to figure out who we are. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do I really, it's almost like this crazy feeling of, do I want to go that way? I mean, it's, you know, am I going to commit to doing this for the rest of my life or, you know, but it's such a struggle, right? Because you feel like you would be so wrong if you didn't do so that. Confli- so conflicting, yeah. very yeah. conflicting. It's, yeah. it was a huge, a huge moral struggle. I'm sure. Really was. I'm sure yeah. it may be a, a huge moral struggle for a lot of people, but you know, when you've got a lot of restrictions on things that a lot of people see as totally normal, you feel abnormal and you don't, and you want to fit in. Yeah. I forever want to fit in. I still, to this day, want to fit in. Of course. And I, I, I want, yeah, I, I absolutely do not want to not be normal. Yeah. A lot of like acceptance issues for me, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like- that is again, trauma kind of creeping up on me. Like, what about the questions you had? Did you ever ask questions or did you just keep them to yourself or do you know what I mean? What kind of questions did you have? I definitely, I think I I was getting into this before. Um, I I sang at one of my uncle's weddings and he got married at a non-denominational church. And this was probably, I was probably like 16 or 17 at this point. And I just was struggling with the idea of a lot, a lot of people going to hell other than a bunch of us, like Finnish people in the Midwest who <laughs> were the one true faith. And, yeah. and I don't, I don't mean that to be ugly. Like that is right. It's, that just kind of was like so specific and, in, and exclusive. Yeah. And I thought there's so many people in this world and there are a lot of good people out there. And I think my parents also had these thoughts as well, but never voiced their opinions to me. But this is kind of what got my dad in trouble. We just kind of were like, there's people in our family who are like almost more religious than us, maybe in like a different church or any other church, reading the Bible and being really faithful and being really good people. Um, I just, I wondered why we were the only ones with the secret. And why weren't we sharing our secret? You know? Yeah, that's what I used to wonder too, right? You see these other churches going on mission trips and stuff. Or like, I don't know that that's what I wanted to do. But I always did wonder, how is the word of God supposed to spread? Like, and you know, because we're so exclusive. And like, people hardly feel invited. You know what I mean? This is true. Like, I never would have dreamed of inviting anybody. Yeah, I I never would have. Maybe I did. Like, I feel like when I was a kid, I did invite somebody. Like I told my, I asked my mom if I could invite somebody to church or Sunday school. And it was kind of like an immediate, no, no, you know, and other people would invite like to like vacation Bible schools in the summer. Uh, Other kids were always inviting me to other Lutheran churches. And it was like shot down, you know. Right. We don't need to be getting other ideas and that sort of thing. Exactly. So. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because I had those thoughts too. It's like these, I saw that they had very specific religious ways of doing things and traditions and all the things. And I'm like, what's different about them than us? Like, why, why are we better? Or I, you know, it's hard to even say the words, like, what does the word, what is the word? You know, there were other split churches from us, right? I couldn't understand right. why why women couldn't cut their hair. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. 
why are we allowed to cut our hair and we're allowed to wear pants? They're not allowed to cut their hair or wear pants. What is like, what's the, what's with the rules? Like who determines the rules and why are their rules right? (laughs) Right. You know, that was really hard to understand. And then like the Lestadians were like so close in the belief system, but they couldn't play sports. So that made a little bit different than us, but also ours was the right one. And those ones like, don't worry about them, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. Even though we used to be like, it all started. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I was the Stadius, I guess. And from Finland and then. Yeah, the way that the the whole tree branches out is pretty remarkable, and then the our church was just kind of a little blip on the radar, and there were so many different branches, and each single one of those branches was very exclusive to their own brand. Right, and they so, were like, "We're the only ones," and we're like, "No, we're the only ones." I'm like, I don't get. Like, it was as a kid, it was super hard to understand, you know. There wasn't really an answer. Do you know what I mean as to why? Yes. And don't, you know, don't ask questions, really. Questions aren't necessary. Questions just make things confusing. And then you start questioning things. Like, I, I, I understand that that can be problematic. There were families, though, even with, you know, brothers and sisters separated by their faith and at odds still are, you know, that's really it, sad. I it is sad. sad. Yeah, it it is sad. But we also put ourselves in a little bit of a pickle also by choosing to leave because then sometimes you do get a little bit maybe like excommunicated or shunned maybe by your family or or friends. I'm lucky enough where when I exited, I was 19. My dad was a minister. And he was starting to really reach the end of his rope when it came to questions he had. And he had let out a couple of little little stinkers, I guess, while he was um, ministering. There was one part, I was asking him about this because I wanted to make sure I have my story straight. Like I have memories from 20 years ago and um, he, we recently discussed it And I was like, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? What was it that ended it all for us? And he said, you know, it had been brewing. And a lot of people had kind of been talking and doubting maybe where he was coming from um, with some of the things that he said. And there was one Bible class in particular, like in our church, Bible class would be a Wednesday night kind of thing. People would come, everybody would show up into like the fellowship area of the church and, and sit and I don't think there'd be much discussion, but there it'd wasn't be more discussion. It was like a sermon. I thought, yes, it, it was a ca- like a casual sermon on a Wednesday night where you could wear jeans and you sing a couple of hymns and somebody would read from the Bible. And my dad, he read something and it was talking about Christians and and like the location of christians in the old in the old times in jesus day and some somebody raised their hand and said when it says christians does it mean like us and my dad said i 
it means Christians in, in general, because he was a history teacher. And he went on to kind of explain that he had a map of where all of the Christians resided in the biblical times and stuff like that. And that automatically kind of started a wildfire because my dad was referring to other people as being Christian, not just the, you know, because when you, when we were at the church we were raised in, when you said a Christian, you meant somebody from that particular first apostolic church. So what there's, what they would say then, if you're trying to make logical sense of this, it's like, wait, so before Lestadius, Lars Lestadius, there weren't any Christians. Like it, it kind of doesn't make sense, right? Like what about Martin Luther? Because he's the one that wrote the catechism. So, you know, I don't know. There's like a disconnect, right? In history. This is, this is true. This is true. And also like, what about all of these like hymns that were singing in church that right. were written by people who were definitely not Finlanders? And, um, you know, I know from, they weren't, Luth- they were, they were maybe Lutherans. I mean, I remember going to my grandma's church. She was a Lutheran, just another Lutheran church. And mm. some of the hymns they sang were in our songbook. I'm like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Like I almost felt weird singing them in a different church. It was just like this almost a little wrong. right? Like, yeah. It's like an out of body. This experience. is our, this is our song. Yeah. What is this doing? Why here? do you have our song? That's yeah. not right. You know? Exactly. In <laughs> fact, um, after I uh, after I got married, my husband was raised like conservative Baptist. And I swear, other than a, a couple of doctrinal differences, a lot of super conservative Baptist churches are very similar. Same songs, old rugged cross, just as I am. That's crazy. You know, a lot of very, and they would be kind of triggering to me. Like I sang in a Baptist choir for a while. And when there would be communion with just as I am, it would bring me right back. It was like teleporting me right back to my youth. Um, That is so crazy. And for, for, for years, I was a little bitter about the way that everything had gone. Yeah. But I get now it. 20, 20 years later, I come to it with a lot of love yeah. and, and mindfulness. I truly, I'm really grateful for the way that, that we were raised, but also some of those really wholesome memories bring back some strange nostalgia to me. Yeah. No, you know I what get I'm saying? it. Yes, I get it. It's hard. Um, So I'm just thinking, so you kind of had some questions, but you really didn't leave until your dad left. Is that what happened? Like you just left when your dad left? I am really fortunate in the fact that a lot of my friends who ended up um, leaving the church left on their own and they didn't have their families with them. We ended up leaving because my dad did raise a lot of questions. He ended up being called like a wolf in sheep's clothing for even bringing any of his ideas to the pulpit. And there was a point where he was, you know, associated with Satan and 
that sort of thing. So it was very problematic and it was traumatic, our exit from the church. But my parents were ready to go. They they were already on the cusp. And then this just kind of was there. The door opened for them to leave and they weren't necessarily invited back unless they like repented and and they weren't interested in that. They were interested in having something new. And so I was able to leave with my parents and I didn't have to worry about upsetting them at all. It was kind of like a family exodus. And I appreciate that it was a lot easier for me than it would be for a lot of people like you. Yeah. Doing yeah. this alone, doing that alone is scary. It's, it's scary yeah. and it's isolating. <laughs> and some people would wonder, why are you even putting yourself in that situation? Because it exactly. is probably a lonely place to be. Yeah, it is lonely. And I, I mean, this for some reason, this thing keeps coming back to me. In college, I went to like a retreat. Well, we called it a retreat, but it was our accounting club. I don't know how an accounting club can have a retreat. But anyways, we had like a retreat weekend. You guys talk about the- numbers? And- <laughs> I don't know. It was kind of funny, right? Um, but one of the girls in my accounting club was a Baptist because you mentioned Baptist. And this is what came up when you talked about that. She knew so much about the Bible and she mm-hmm. knew that oh, yeah. I was religious. I was in this religion, right? So she was almost like... Um, what would you call it? Like challenging me. Like, well, the Bible says blah, 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 blah. And I like, honestly, did you ever feel like we should be reading the Bible? Like I was never taught I should be reading the Bible. (laughs) I don't really know besides the Sunday school stories, you know, like the major things, right? Christmas and Easter and Noah's Ark and Adam and Eve and, you know, the main stories, right? I didn't know much about the Bible. (laughs) So that was a real wake up call for me too. Like, wait, I don't know anything about the Bible. Really? You know, do I know anything? I don't know. <laughs> and you, know? you sharing that brings something to my mind. Like I remember kind of like trying to explain things to friends one time and I didn't reference the Bible. I referenced the greetings of peace. Uh-huh. Like I was like, but it says here in our written newsletter you know, I didn't know, I didn't know stories of the, but yeah, like you learn like David and Goliath and like a a couple coloring pages and stuff. Right. But I never really got too ingrained in learning the stories of the Bible. I really, I never really read it. Not Uh -uh. really. I mean, a lot of churches that I've been to, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, a lot of churches that I've been to, they'll have like a Bible at the, on the back of the pew. So you can open it up and read along or or use it as you will. And I'm not being critical of people who don't use their Bible during church service at all. And, but I just never felt compelled to explore the Bible at all. Nor was I very convicted when I went to church. I never, you know, um, you know, I'd listen, I'd go there mostly to be there, like almost for attendance, you know, to make Mm -hmm. sure that people see that you're there yeah. If you're not there, people will wonder where you were. So I would, um, yeah, you know, be there for accountability, <laughs> but not necessarily for messages. I would yeah. love singing those the hymns. Oh, I do. I I will get moved by a hymn for sure. Still, I, I love- like music. Right, I Absolutely. like music too. And then I went to some church. I remember I went to another church for a Christmas program or something. I don't know. I re- one of my friends must have gone. So I was like 
I did go sometimes to other things just because I had mm. friends right outside mm-hmm. of church. But I remember their music was so beautiful. And I was like, why don't we have, why can't we play different music at our church? You know? Right. Like almost like sometimes yeah. happy music. Yeah. I wanted happy like music. uplifting, <laughs> uplifting. Right. Like that, like with a little bit of a beat, maybe people clapped like, yeah. whoa, what are doing? No, I know. Absolutely. So yeah. funny. Yeah. I don't know that. So the music was big for me and I like, um, like you said, about just being there. It was a social thing. It's like, if I'm not there, you know what I mean? I don't want to be seen as something's wrong with me. But you know, as soon as I left, or as soon as for me, it was when COVID started. So it was like, February of 2020 was my last time. So recent. That's weird. Um, When I stopped going then, I realized how much I hated Sundays before there was just all this pressure on a Sunday and now I know you didn't you weren't married and didn't have kids right when you were growing up in our church so but I felt all this pressure that your kids had to go and everybody had to be dressed right and you know if you're working in the kitchen you know you had to always be doing all the work and there was so much pressure and it was for me that's what it was about it was about making sure I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing following the rules, doing the things and all these things. And it had nothing to do with any kind of spirituality for me. It really didn't. I, I can, I can relate to that for sure. I it can absolutely silly. relate to that. I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I there? You know, right. um, that's so weird. It was, it was kind of my dream after being exposed to like a non-denominational church service when I was 16, 17 or whatever I was talking about. It was kind of my secret dream to start going to a church like that. I was so moved by the wedding ceremony that I could barely squeak out Amazing Grace, which we never were able to sing at church because it was considered a little too secular, I think. But um, it's not. It wasn't in our hymnal. I had to sing that at my uncle's wedding. I was crying the whole wedding. And then it was my turn to sing. It was like, Oh, I'm, I apologize to my uncle and my aunt for that performance. I was just so taken by the message. It was so emotional for me. Like I was really moved and I was like, I would love to go to this church when I get old enough. I would love to be able to sit and listen to like some sort of spiritual message like this eventually, but I'd probably have to do it in secret is what I told myself. And so when my parents did tell me that they were leaving, because I was not living at home anymore, I was 19, I was in college. My mom told me that I said, it's okay, mom, that's not for me anymore, or whatever. And she was so relieved because she thought she was robbing me of this community that I had been so ingrained in for my whole life. And it was, it was sad, and it was painful, and it was tricky because uh, nobody else at that point had been leaving the church. It wasn't even a thing. It wasn't, you had heard of historical splits in the past and it was always looked back at, at a very tumultuous time. And strangely it happened. I, I don't know if the church even looks back at 
the like kind of exodus that happened when my parents ended up leaving. I don't know if that was considered a split at all or if it was even a blip on the radar. But it and there ended up being probably there was several people that left, right? Like 10 families maybe that ended up leaving um shortly after they did. And a lot of my friends who are now in their early 40s are also no longer there. So it's like something kind of happened in the like late 90s, early 2000s, where there was maybe some sort of like awakening or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. But like things are changing so much. I don't even, I don't even, you would know, like, what is it like to be a part of, a, a you know, that type of yeah. uh, the church that we we're raised in? is things are so different. Social media, kids have phones, like they're allowed to have phones, right? Oh yeah. Because the phone is like, so. I mean, yeah. so much more diverse and brings you so much worse material than a television ever did. Oh, I know. know when we were younger. It's so fascinating to me, that stuff. I'm like, you don't even need to like, there's, you don't even need a TV. You you just get on your phone nowadays. Everything is right there for you. So right there. I don't, you know, it is, it was hard actually raising even my kids. Like when my kids were growing up, we didn't have smartphones. So there wasn't mm-hmm. like, you didn't have access to all that stuff, but we had computers. There's mm-hmm. plenty of stuff online, you know? Um, right. I know. I, I think, I think it's harder and harder to like keep people away from information, you know, or, or, I mean, I felt like, I felt almost like the pressure of don't look outside just the stuff that's written it, you know, the stuff that was available in the back cabinet, you could buy like books and stuff back there. Don't like read anything outside of that. Right. Don't. And even when, I know around the split time that you're, I don't know that they don't really call that a split, but around the time I'm giving myself too much credit there. (laughs) I don't really feel like it was considered a split, but yeah, around the time they left, there were that there there was women meeting. I don't know if your mom was part of that, but women were meeting and they were reading the Bible. And there was a lot of talk about that, that, Oh, you know, did you hear that they're like meeting and reading the Bible? Then I got in my head like, oh my gosh, we're not supposed to read the Bible. You know, I don't know. It was just a weird, not that I had been reading the Bible, but I always wondered about, should I be reading the Bible? You know, you have these people who are doing these daily Bible. um, I don't know. I had a lot of friends who aren't from church, right? And they do these daily Bible readings and whatever. And I'm like, should I be doing like, I don't know, what should I be doing? Like, you know how you always kind of wonder like <laughs> about these things, you know? Um, Absolutely. So did you ever feel that? Like, I don't think we're supposed to read the Bible, but you were 19. So I don't know if you'd ever been kind of at that point yet, you know, where you wanted to know more, you know? I know that when I did have the opportunity to start getting more spiritual, I really drank it up. Like I really. I, my parents did the same thing. They just really, my dad was saying like, I couldn't get enough of the Bible once I started actually reading into it and and learning more about, you know, spirituality and having a relationship with Christ and having a person, having a personal relationship anyway, because that wasn't really something that we were encouraged to do. 
praying. I don't know. I mean, like you would generally say like, you know, say your prayers and you do like the Lord's prayer and that sort of thing, but just like being in general prayer and really like bringing, bringing prayer, all, all of your needs and, and, and that sort of thing wasn't necessarily something that I felt like I was supposed to do or needed to do. Yeah. But I really enjoyed, re- I did enjoy getting really spiritual after I had the opportunity to open myself up to it. I didn't feel like it was necessarily something, like I said, I, I would hear a lot of messages preached, but I wouldn't necessarily feel like I need to change my life because of something that I heard, or I didn't feel very emotionally connected to a lot of the things that I heard. One of the things that I was discussing with my dad, because he was a minister, and there were like four ministers who were kind of being propped to be able to like take over when two of the elder ministers were getting ready to retire at that time. Yeah. Three of the four ministers were having discussions about is this really, are we, are we teaching the right thing? Is this really the only church? And they ended up having a meeting with the elder ministers to find out where in the Bible it said that that church was the only church, the one true faith. They needed concise doctrine. And where did it say it? (laughs) And there never was any doctrine brought to the table. And I, Pray I'm that just curious hearing me. No, but I, I just, I really hope that I hope nobody can convey no. this as me bashing their yeah. belief system. No, um, it just happened that my dad needed more evidence yeah. in order to keep saying that that was true. Right. And anytime he would discuss it with somebody who was older, they'd say, you know, we don't worry about the other people. We're just, we stay, we would just keep on doing what we're doing and we're not going to worry about anybody else. And we're not going to worry about our questions. We just keep on keeping on, you know? And it's the faith, like have faith, just have the simple faith. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything else. I know. And it's really hard for people like me who love learning I've always been a learner. I love, I'm a voracious reader of books and mm. anything I get a curiosity about, I'm down the rabbit hole. And I've pushed down all my curiosity about the Bible and Jesus and history about the Bible. I pushed all that away for years and years and years. And because again, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, don't have questions, just have faith, you know? And yes, yeah, that's like, I don't know. Have I, have I heard these terms lately? Gaslighting or what else is it? Spiritual bypassing or I don't even, right. What is, what are the words for it? It's like, no, you don't need to know that you just, and and now when I've been studying about cults and stuff, and now I'm not saying that church is a cult, but what I'm saying is there are cult like things about that where groups just encourage each other to not go get information from outside that group to not, you know, and it's this thing and you keep the community tight like that, you know, and that's where some real issues can happen. I mean, absolutely. To be fair and to be fair, all Christianity can be considered a cult to exactly to any, you know, so 
this is why I'm super careful. I am not jumping. Everybody's like, well, I I know. But some people are like, what's next? I'm like, nothing at the moment. I am, I need to be super careful. I, Absolutely. I'm just like yeah. trying to go into myself and figure out what's good for me, you know? And, and that's what I like about having spiritual freedom at this point for myself. And I, I'm really proud of you for being able to open yourself up and kind of free yourself of those chains where you were doubtful. And that is, that's gotta be toxic to be burying all of these deep questions that are very important to answer and to be able to have questions, research, you know, um, listen to different speakers, listen to different podcasts, although podcasts weren't available to me when I was 19, but I was like a church hopper. I would be going around trying to find, you know, something that really kind of jived with me. As I get older, I find nothing is going to be the perfect Goldilocks um, church for anybody. You have to try to find something that makes you feel really comfortable, that makes you feel like you can be yourself, you can have your questions, you can get your questions answered, and you're fed spiritually. You need to be happy, and it needs to be full of kindness and inclusive, and having that available to me makes me so happy as, as a 40-year-old right person. Or like- you, I remember before you told me you went to, you tried at several different churches. What are you doing now for community and church and all of that? Like, what are you doing? Well, it's tricky. I mean, COVID did sure show, throw a wrench in a lot of our plans. Um, being a, I, I guess I didn't really touch on this before, but my husband is in the Coast Guard. So I have been moving every two to four years for the past 20 years. And so I have lived from every in almost every corner of the United States, from Key West, Florida to Cordova, Alaska, which was a tiny little fishing village in the middle of nowhere, um, and Baltimore, Maryland, Washington, D.C. We've been to a lot of different places. And every time we go somewhere, you've got to create your own new community. And you can't rely on the Coast Guard to be your entire life either, because that gets a little tricky also. So... Over the years, we have found different church families. We found very vastly different churches. I mean, we've been everywhere where when we were in Florida, the church we went to, the the preacher had like a podcast called like preaching, barefoot preaching or preaching in sandals or something like that. And it was like a total rock band church, but it was, it was the best we could find for us at the moment. And it fed us. And now we're here and we haven't necessarily gotten churched. We are unchurched at the moment, which I know is kind of worrisome for people who are really staunch about attending Sunday service. I miss that. I do like that. That's traditional. It's comforting to me. Um, It's not necessarily a part of our life right now. And it will become, we'll we'll find something that feeds us when it's right. And, um, it just, right now we're, we're kind of in like a, like a limbo, I guess. But, um, I do know I, but I know how I feel about my spirituality. 
I, I know I am confident in knowing that I am a good person. I'm confident in knowing that I can have my sins forgiven at any moment in time. If I, if I go to the, the one guy who can forgive me, you know? And so in prayer, I can, I can, I can do a lot of things that I didn't get to do before. I just, I find a lot of peace in myself right now. I'm 40 years old. I I think I'm 40. I forget how old I am now. I think I'm 40. And my spirituality has evolved so much in 20 years. Five years ago, I was not the same person I am today. Two years ago, I was not the same person I am today. I am constantly evolving. And hopefully for the better, I feel like for the better. Maybe other people would think otherwise. I don't of me with my mascara and and my earrings and my painted toenails it has nothing to do with ungodliness Uh, it makes me more comfortable with myself it brings me a little bit of joy it's not as life-changing as a lot of people would think I barely even wear earrings anymore but when I first got free I got these puppies pierced like immediately and I felt very rebellious, (laughs) but it was very freeing just to have control over my own body and, and have my own rules. But a lot of religions, no matter where you go, are going to have their rules. So I understand that I understand the compulsion and, and when you're invested in something and how strongly you can feel and how easily you can put off your questions just to remain comfortable. Yeah. That's, if that makes yeah. any sense at all. I, I understand what you're talking about when you're like, oh, I mean, I had to go start getting my nails done every two weeks. <laughs> Once I left, I'm like, you know what? I want to show myself that I really can make my own decisions for myself, that I'm not stuck. Because that was my biggest fear is that for all those years, I hadn't been really listening to myself. I had been like, following some rules that somebody made up that who knows if they're even like real rules. You know what I mean? Like who knows if it even says it in the Bible anywhere, you know, well, like, and that was my question, right? Where is this? But I know what the, you thing. Mean. There are, the Bible says a lot of things. Some things do, you know, should be abided by and some things are a little questionable, like in Leviticus and that sort of thing. But um, I do know, like it says, Bible talks about dancing Yeah, I don't Um, get it. Right. Anyways. So so it's funny how you said that I felt so free. Like I go, I am going to get my nails done. And I, I always have nail polish on now because it feels good to me. It always, you know, it gives like, it does, it makes you feel maybe a little more feminine, like a little more beautiful feminine. (laughs) What's wrong with being feminine? You know what I mean? What's, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like when I was in high school, because we were restricted and not able to wear makeup or anything, I would pluck my eyebrows until there was nothing left. Because I could do that because that wasn't against the rule, but it would alter my look in, in a bad way. But I felt in the moment like, ooh, I'm altering my look. Or I'd curl my eyelashes. There's nothing against curling. Now, if you put mascara on, that's a bad thing, but you can curl. And I would curl the <laughs> heck out of my eyelashes until they would not even exist anymore. 
Mm-hmm. Like I would, they That's would just, funny. I had no eyebrows. I had no eyelashes. All I was trying to do was to be feminine. And yeah. I was just yeah. going off the deep end with my own, you know, right. my own vice is there, but um, that, that is, but that's also kind of trauma that is a little bit of trauma you know like that that was my reaction to Mm -hmm. my my the rules that were set for me that I I I just wanted to find a way to be able to be a little bit more normal and accepted yeah I ripped out all my body hair in the process yeah and to like really be ourselves so I feel like that's the biggest message I have taken in the last couple years is like where can I go and be accepted as me? And no matter what the doctrine or teaching is, is that I can question it. I can believe what I feel is right to believe, no matter what they're saying, right? And I could still be accepted and there could be conversations. You know, like that's what I think I was missing in that community. And that's what I'm looking for now is like, where's the community where you can actually have real conversations about this stuff because I wasn't able to have conversations about it you know yeah and I'm sure (laughs) and being adults like everybody already has their social systems in place I've found this moving throughout the country it's like people don't need new friends usually they don't into adulthood don't need new friends you have you you've got your like core base of like old school homies from you know wherever you grew up but when you go somewhere new and you meet new people, it's like they are they already have their families and their friends in place. And so when you're new and you're, you know, you're it's hard. And I've experienced this just by like having to up and move every couple of years. And that's where I have been able to get a lot of diversity and I've come a long way. I mean, we grew up with a very like specific brand of people you know a lot of stoic um scandinavians who were raised by stoic scandinavians and um they love coffee and you know whatever other fun things that we did (laughs) but being able to meet other people from other places in the country and in the world is so enlightening i love hearing people's stories like a lot of my coasty girlfriends will tease me because as soon as somebody new shows up, I'm like, where are you from? Where have you been? What's your story? Where are you going? Like, hopefully not in an annoying way, but those are the kind of things that really fill me up. Like I love hearing, I love hearing people's stories. It's the smallest world. And unless you ask people what they've been through and where they've been, you can't make connections. So I just, I really like doing that. And that's why I had no hesitations about reaching out to you. Yeah. When I saw you had come out with your story, I was like, oh yeah, we got to talk. Yeah. You know, there's so much there. There's so, there's so much, so much nostalgia, and but there's also so much comfort in knowing somebody has been through something that was really kind of raw and being able to maybe find comfort in each other and, I I don't know. I have good advice to give anybody ever. So take whatever I say with like a grain of salt, but I do, I just, I really, I do appreciate where, what you're doing and 
bringing light to other people's stories is really important. I think it's really healthy for them and it's really healing for you also. Yeah. And it's, it's been healing for me just to even just have this, this chat today. So, yes. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on to tell your story. Do you want to, like, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, is there a, like a place they can reach out to you at or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm on social media uh, right now. I'm in the process of starting, wait for it, <laughs> a pasty shop. Oh, wow. <laughs> in there are no pasty shops in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which is where I live. And having grown up in the UP, there's always, you've got to have a hot pasty. Anyway, there's none here. And so I'm starting that and it's called the Uper Pasty Company. And you can reach out to me at uperpastico. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me because my other email addresses are way too complicated. So uperpastico at gmail.com. And on all platforms, I'm uperpastico. So yeah, absolutely. I'll put it in the show notes (laughs) so that people could. And you know what else would be interesting for you to put in the show notes would be the diagram of the Lestadian uh, okay. that pipeline. I, I know where to find it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. It's really interesting. Is it a link? Yeah. I, I have it saved, I think. Okay. So I'll, okay, I'll go yeah. to you. I don't know. I find it. You know, I've seen it before. I just don't know how to link to it. So if you send me a link, then I can put it in there. It is interesting how, how our religion came to be, you know, and all the splits and stuff. Um, but yeah, so I'll put that stuff in the show notes. Thank you so much, Heidi, for reaching out. I see your name says Allison. Is that your daughter? Oh yeah. This is my daughter's computer. She's got the good technology. My computer is. I got confused. (laughs) It's like, who's Allison? (laughs) No, that's my daughter. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Well, good thing we've straightened it up at the end of the uh, end of the show now, but, um, but thank you so much for coming on. And I look forward to still connecting with you in the future. Absolutely. We'll have to get together and have an in-person chat over some good old coffee. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Awesome. Bye. Thanks, Rebecca. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go subscribe so that you get notified of all the future goodies that are coming along. While you're there, please leave me a review and let me know what you think. So excited to share this with you and can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.